I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection Podcast that looks at the things that we loved when we were younger and asks the question, is this good? My name is David Luzader, and with me is my co-host, back from wherever he was last week, Nick Shermooksness. Nick, hello. Hello, David. How is it going? Oh, good. Nick, do you have anything big in your life going on right now? You know, I, I wanted to make a joke just being like, nope, nope, nope. But given that she's not far by, I will not make that joke. Uh, and I will just say, yeah, I got uh, engaged uh, over the weekend Yay. to my now fiance, where she regrettably said yes. But wait, wait, regrettably? Hold on. For her, not for me. I mean, I'm winning. Okay. All right. I just, I was like, whoa, are we just, are we cracking? It's like, sorry, sorry, guest. Uh, we're going to have to. <laughs> we're going to change gears and we're just going to talk about the problems in my relationship, of which there are no problems because I'm actually turning my head and looking at her and she's currently <laughs> looking at me like, are you crazy? <laughs> so, anyway, hi, David. Hi, Nick. Well, that's very exciting. Congratulations. And I'm sure everybody listening right now is also saying congratulations wherever they are. Under uh, their breath, yeah. yeah. Under- you know, at least in their head, in their hearts, they're saying it. But uh, I'm going, we're going to shift gears now back into regular show mode, and we're going to introduce our guest. We have a wonderful guest this week. It is somebody who is infinitely busy. I'm amazed that she found the time to be here for us. She is one of the minds behind Macintosh and Mod. She also is on Powered by the Players, the co-GM of Christmas Tide, Ohio. It is Diana Lorraine. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, for people who might not, first of all, thank you for being here. First of all, uh, for people who might not know you or your work, can you just give us a little bit of taste and introduction to who you are, what you do? Okay, well, um, I podcast a lot. Um, So uh, similar to here, um, I have a a little network with my spouse called Macintosh and Mod. Um, And so our Fod Chick podcast is Macintosh and Mod, where we talk about My Little Pony. Um, as adults, uh, there, there's a lot of swears, but we talk about ponies very fervently. Um, but then we also have Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. Um, so I did subject my husband to this film when I was rewatching <laughs> it. Uh, I, um, I was going to ask for some we, examples, but there you go. Yep. Uh, and then I also have the Jog House, which is where we go through Riverdale. We're actually on hiatus right now because Riverdale is not currently airing. Um, and and then in the uh, TTRPG space, I am a co-host of Powered by the Players, where we play Powered by the Apocalypse games with a rotating cast of diverse players. And I am the co-GM of Christmas Tide Ohio, which is a Christmas-themed kids on bikes anthology podcast. Very cool that you kids are. Kids on bike is a board game. Right? It's it's a it's an RPG. It's a tabletop RPG. RPG. It's an RPG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they just released a board game version. Oh, of did it, they? Actually. Oh, well. okay. Look at that. I'm, I'm behind on my kids on bikes. <laughs> Riverdale. That's a show that I watch for some reason. Same, same, same. Yeah, I was I'm, I was gonna commiserate about it, but then I'm like, what do we even really say about that hot mess? It's it's a hot mess that somehow I there's there's still something about it that we uh-huh. keep going back to and season four was just wow I I haven't watched season four yet I'm still amazed they're trying to do musical episodes because it never goes well for them Ooh I don't agree with you on that one Interesting Oh uh, snap Well Let's well start <laughs> In this uh, corner. Yeah. So never mind. Our topic was going to be Return to Oz, but now it is the musical episodes of Riverdale. Um, I will have to tell you that my background is in theater. So I mean, uh, so is yeah. mine. So. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, we'll save that my for the Patreon. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother episode. Yeah, it's a whole can <laughs> of worms. Instead, why don't we go ahead and talk about Return to Oz, which Diana brought to us today? 
Six months after returning home from her initial trip to Oz, Dorothy Gale finds herself longing for the friends she made and worrying her family with talks of fantasy. After escaping Dr. Worley, who planned to use electrotherapy on her, Dorothy finds herself whisked away in a storm and back in Oz, now under control of the Gnome King. Dorothy must free Oz with the help of several new horrifying friends. This did you did you put the the addendum of horrifying in? There? Yeah, that's 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 color commentary. I'm the one who. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember that being in the actual synopsis of the film. <laughs> that wasn't on the poster. Meet Dorothy and her new horrifying friends. Yeah. Now, Diana, you brought this movie to us. What is it about this film? What nostalgia do you have, and why did you want to revisit it? So the. This film was nightmare fuel for me as a child, as was the Wizard of Oz. Um, but for some reason, it's one that I know I rented over and over again. So there, so there's just something about it that I kept revisiting when I was a child. And it's one of those films that people either had never heard of it. They're like, what? What are you talking about? Or they know about it, and they also agree that it is nightmare fuel. <laughs> Very true. I was one of those people who had never heard of it until a couple years ago. Another podcast that I did um, that's now evolved into Movie Go Round, it was called Geek Cinema Society, and we had an episode about Return to Oz. And before then, as far as I know, had never heard of it. Like It, it just was not a conscious thing in my mind. So I had to go watch it for that and mm. was like, wow, I, no wonder there was never like six sequels because there's like mm -hmm. 25 more books. Like no wonder they only made this one and no others. Uh, I I was very surprised kind of to, I knew there was other Oz works, but I didn't know there was another like major motion picture made on somewhat the same scale as the first sure. one. Nick, what about you? Did you know about Return to Oz? Did you watch it every weekend as a young kid in between your Transformers and king arthur cartoon watching one is not like the other um <laughs> it, it, no i feel like i've heard the name but sort of in passing in the same way i know how like the knicks are doing right now um which actually i don't yeah, really do know you <laughs> that's that. a great that was question. a bad that was a bad uh, i take that back um so the answer is no uh, as far as Wizard of Oz in general it's certainly you know it, it's inescapable as far as part part of the you know pop zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it um so certainly i i'm i'm fairly certain that i saw like the the judy garland you know film you know aeons ago and um you know i i've seen it like always in my peripherals but wizard of oz and like wicked and all that but just wizard of oz is like a lack of a better word a franchise um is is something that just i never particularly gravitated towards so i, I was really going into this fresh this so this is your first time seeing it, and uh, just real, we're gonna get into our discussion here in a minute. But if you had to put your thoughts on this movie into five words, what words would you use? Uh, um, can I can I do it with two? Sure. Nightmare fuel. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to start us up. Now, Nick, would you mind telling us, because that's our, our histories with this movie, could you tell us about the world's history with Return to Oz? Yeah, so in 1954, Walt Disney Productions bought the remaining Oz books by L. Frank Baum to use in their television series, Disneyland. In 1980, director Walter Murch expressed interest to Disney in making an Oz film, not knowing that Disney had the rights to the Oz series and they were going to expire. The story of Return to Oz is based on the second and third Oz book with some elements, such as the character of TikTok, taken from later books as well. Once production began, Merch quickly fell behind schedule and Disney fired him, though he was later rehired after the support of George Lucas and Francis, excuse me, Francis Ford Coppola. Lucas himself told Disney that he would take over directing if any other problems occurred. The film was made without the input of MGM, which was unnecessary due to D Disney owning the rights, but the use of the ruby slippers involves paying a fee as they were original IP from the MGM movie made to replace the silver shoes of the books. 
The film released in June 21 uh, in 1985 to mixed reviews with some praising its faithfulness to the source material with others taking issue with the darker tone. Return to Oz was a box office failure and it has since gained a cult following. Which has brought it right here to this podcast. <laughs> the the visuals of it all aside, I, I would really like to know, Diana, when you were a child, what was your reaction the first time? Because like, as a kid, like looking at it as an adult now, a lot of the time we see this weird stuff and it's like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, like that's so weird. Like, why is this in a kid's movie? That's kind of creepy. But I remember like as a kid, I had a love for Nightmare Before Christmas. And looking sure. at it now, I still see why it's great. But I still, I can have that thought of being like, this is heavy for a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious now, like as a kid, what fascinated you about it or what did you like about it? I, I, I think the thing that I loved about it is that there was this other world that happened outside of the Wizard of Oz. Mm. It it there was that different take of like, oh, after Dorothy went home, the world of the Emerald City kept living. Mm. Like it didn't stop. It didn't exist only here. Um and so I loved that. And I loved thinking about that. And that definitely got me into more of those uh, alternative narratives, especially in fairy tales. Um, and so, of course, when like Wicked, the book came out in 96, I was I was like, yes, I am here for all of this. Um, but there's that. And then also the framework of her being sent for electroshock therapy was terrifying. Yes. That- it's it, it, disturbing as hell. Yeah. Now, as an adult, I'm like, whoa, that is dark. That is heavy. Yeah. Uh, that it, was rough to see. They're like, all right, all right, let's strap this child down, and now let's test the electrodes we're about to put on her skull. But, the, but then also as a child, I remember realizing they're using the same actors here in the beginning and then later there. So is she actually dreaming or mm. did this actually happen? So like they're playing with all of these different storytelling devices. And I found that I knew I knew even then that I was finding that fascinating, <laughs> even being frightened by it. I thought it was crazy. And I also love TikTok. I think TikTok is the best thing in the world. Does Disney, well, I guess, well, no, it's in the, uh, the public domain now, so I guess nobody can make any claims over TikTok because the spelling's the exact same as the app. Yeah. That was, for some <laughs> reason, the first thing that popped in my mind this time. TikTok sure. is very weird, but also I do love TikTok, too. I think TikTok is one of those weird, he's, he's weird in a Wizard of Ozzy kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this whole thing where you have to wind up his thinking wind up his like talking and wind up his action and any one of those three can stop at any time and depending on what stops it's going to have different consequences it's weird but i love it i there are so many lines that i i never understood as a child that i heard for the first time when i rewatched it now as an adult and now watching it now as an adult i realized what i love about him and it's that he is essentially c3po you're not wrong he's he is. he is he is mechanical and he is commenting on everything that's going around him as a mechanical being and he is so snarky and i am in love with all of it uh, and he had one of my favorite lines, which was, I have always valued my lifelessness. I was just about to bring up and I'm that just line. like, TikTok's not even alive. I have always valued my lifelessness. I'm like, yeah, man, same. same. Oh, oh, I, I, my favorite of his is, I am not alive and never will be. Thank goodness. Right? He, he's <laughs> so like, you are dark. It's so about, existential. About not being living. Yeah. It's like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> You you alive people and all your problems. I just have to worry it's about a lot my like brain the TikTok turning TikTok app. So hey you know. hey, sorry, low hanging fruit. Yeah, um, yeah. So when I first started the film and like just it occurred to me how dark it was, I was like, for lack of a better comparison, I was like, this is the Dark Knight Returns of <laughs> of Oz. Fair, you know, like which actually really doesn't. I mean, they're very very different <laughs> concepts, but just. You know, it, it it was just 
and it, given that it had been so long since I had seen, say, like the Judy Garland film, and I, I've never read the book, so I'll put that mm-hmm. out there. Um, you know, in my head, like Wizard of Oz is is weird and allegorical and and funky, but like wasn't necessarily dark, dark. And this mm-hmm. movie, as as you guys have already d- uh, discussed, was like, and you know, let's give this child electrical thought, electrical shock therapy. Um, which I thought was horrifying, but even, I mean, the movie was set in the eighties, but in the decade that the story takes place in, which I was a little fuzzy on, but I know the books were written in the early 1910s. 1900s. Um, yeah. Yeah. 1900s. Yeah, I, I think the electro thought shock therapy was still, you know, a fairly popular um, remedy. We can call it with loosely. I mean, obviously it had really great effects, because uh, we still use it today, right? Right. No, wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I if I if I'm having a problem, I shouldn't just shove a fork in a socket, and that'll take care of it. Mm, weird. I I like that the the the, the idea was that um, excess electricity in your brain causes right. your dreams and your delusions. And when he's showing her the machine, and he's like, "Oh, look, here are the eyes, and this right here is the <laughs> mouth." And, oh, this would be his tongue. Now this fella here has a face. You see it? Here are his eyes, and this must be his nose. No. So creepy. So creepy. So creepy. Though there is a, a creepiness to the original source material uh, mm-hmm. that shows much more in this one, because I I've, haven't read many of the books. I listened to, like, I found, like, a uh, website that had people who read audiobooks that are in the public domain. And so it's like sure. free audio recordings. And I, uh, I listened to most of um, the wonderful wizard of Oz, which is the first book and the tin man in the books is, is dark. The tin man was a real person mm-hmm. uh, whose ax was enchanted to keep him from marrying the woman he loved. And it chopped off his limbs one by one. And each time he lost a limb, somebody made him prosthetic limbs made of tin until it got to the point where he was made entirely of tin and could no longer uh, love the woman that he had fallen for. So that's the tin man's backstory in the books. It's like, it's not what it wasn't just like a, he wasn't a machine built to chop wood. He was a human Mm -hmm. whose limbs got cut off by an ax. So where's his like he still has his brain or should I not? Look, like, man, don't get that far. That, now, now you're getting into the finer details. Yeah, they would just gotta have some suspension of disbelief here. Yeah, yeah sorry, sorry, but... I, I forgot to bring that with. with <laughs> he's he's a being who can no longer love. Exactly. I've been there, man. I was gonna say so, Nick. <laughs> you should relate. Uh, so when you get to these creatures in here, like TikTok, who's not necessarily maybe as dark though him crying at the end was real weird to me that was was sweet but and also like he's as bad as drax from the guardian of the galaxy films because he tells you at the beginning of the film that he has no emotions and then he goes and has them i know that dorothy taught him dorothy taught him emotions there you go through this journey now, I'm not okay. sure who is uh, more frightening to me, whether or not it would be Jack Pumpkinhead or the um, Gump, I think. Gump. Was that, was that the talking sofa? Gump. Talking sofa. Tro- tro- horse head, head trophy. It was like a yeah. talking, talking horse head trophy thing that was attached to a flying couch with like bamboo not bamboo palm, uh, palm, palm leaves wings. yeah palm leaf wings um yeah no it, that's a that's a tough um that's a tough decision i jack Pumpkinhead, you know uh was a little freaky because he thought it would be cool to call a little girl his mom yeah that was that that was the weird one for me there so jack Pumpkinhead didn't creep me out so much and i i think because of Nightmare Before Christmas at this point. It's just like, whatever. That's true. Um, and also the voice that's used is, it's Brian Henson, actually. Yeah. But it's so childlike. It's kind of like, okay, well, he's on the same level as Dorothy to a degree. Hmm. But I I, I didn't have a problem. But Gump always was like, this is just weird. 
Who thought just, of that? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't I, know if Gump is a. Uh, oh no, he is. He is in the books. So L. Frank Baum. If you're curious, that's who. <laughs> that's who thought that up. Yeah. Called the. It's. I mean, and, and I will say this is. Uh, they use puppets in this movie, uh, mm-hmm. and they're great puppets. They are really good puppets. Whatever we can say about the nightmare fuel aspect of their creation, mm-hmm. uh, like the Bolina, the chicken puppet. That's great. Looked that was good. really good in Gump for as frightening as he is when he's like talking and, and his head's moving around. Looks really, really good. And I mean, I love Bolina because she's also very meta. Mm-hmm. Like, which you, you if you're going to have a talking sidekick pet... Having them be meta and being like, "Nope, nope, I don't want to be fried." Uh, why do they hate chickens? Is a great is a great one to have. Yeah, Bellino was really Chekhov's chicken, if you think about it. They took uh, absolutely. They keep referring to the fact that the Gnome King hates chickens, but they don't ever say why. And it's like, well, obviously he, she's going to be involved in stopping him. And we're waiting for her to get cooked. Yes, which thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> True, I think. That would have been too traumatic. Oh, uh, agreed. At the end, she got to be like the royal chicken of Oz. So yeah, she got to stay. Everything. These are sentences that are being spoken. Royal chicken <laughs> of Oz. Come on, man. <laughs> no, she had some really great lines that I uh, had failed to write down as I heard them, but I did like a lot of her little commentary on the on the world as things were going on. Um, and I should. I should clarify when I said that nightmare fuel, like I didn't necessarily say that was a bad thing, which you'd think it probably would be a bad thing, but um, like the movie and I can't think of any examples. So this is like a bad comparison or whatever, but like the movie def- watching it, I had sensations of like other things that came out around that time where like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not this super CGI filled you know, blockbuster fest. Like they had to create everything by hand and sort of find creative ways with like stop motion and stuff. Like anytime the rocks were turning into faces or, you know, the, the gnome King was, you know, do doing his thing. Like it, it's terrifying, but because in, in a way, I mean, it's not realistic, right. But it, but it, but it's real. Cause it's something that's really happening at least on a production level. Sure. And I find that that's, more terrifying than if you like say sent like a realistic cgi wolf at me or something i don't know the reason that gump is so terrifying is because his puppet is so good and there's scenes of him like walking around that look like he's actually ambulating through the room and that's what gives it that like kind of horrifying quality to it is sure believe that couch is walking yeah they like they created a being Exactly. Out of a couch and palm leaves and uh, a moose head. And it's alive. Like this... Yeah. And then, oh, we, we didn't even talk about one of the scariest things in the movie, Mombi. Yes. I was just about to mention Mombi. Oh, that whole scene. Which is beginning. amazing. Ex- ex- I love, explain I love why the Mombi's concept. So, explain why she's so terrifying. Okay. So you, you meet this woman who is playing a... Uh, what um, a lute uh, right i don't know something like, like that a, yeah some stringed instrument and she just like goes over to this hall of heads which you suddenly realize are actual living heads mm-hmm. and she goes to a cabinet takes off her head puts it in the cabinet locks it and then continues to walk to a different cabinet and get a different head mm-hmm and then later, Dorothy sneaks in there when she's asleep, trying to get the original head, and all the heads start freaking out, and the headless body of Mombi sits up and starts coming after her. I like that Mombi sleeps without her head. Right? Like the, That's great. You know, she's not going to mess up her hair. I respect that. The body, like, does the body actually sleep, or is it just like going there and laying down until morning? I haven't. I've you know, body needs rest, just like the head needs rest. True, true. There's but no... does the body dream if it doesn't have a head attached to it? That's the real question. Hmm. Oh, do androids dream of electric sheep? That's the eternal question. Do do mombies dream of? I got nothing. 
um, mechanical men <laughs> named TikTok. Roombas. Also, yeah. also terrifying are the wheelers. Wheelers. The wheelers. The wheelers. Which? Oh my goodness! Are these people who are are bent at the waist? So, like, the highest point in their body is their butts. And they've got wheels on their feet and their hands, and that, that's how they move around. And they wear these crazy helmets that are also masks on the top. So it looks like their faces when they're coming at you while on their wheels. It was very, like, it reminded me a lot of, like, Clockwork Orange and um, the Warriors. Like a themed, yes. a themed gang. That whole deal is like we ride around on our wheels. Oh and yes, I, and I think what honestly made them the most terrifying was that the actors did a such a good job being mm-hmm. so into the role. Like yeah. they are, they, they they're really goofy looking. Yet whenever they were, whenever the it would do like a close up on them, and like the actors were just really emoting and like being super creepy, like they sold it. Like I was uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, those are the things that gave me nightmares more than anything else is the wheelers. I can see why. They they were so creepy and just the the creaking of their wheels which is like foreshadowed great with the with the the hospital in the beginning because that's the head wheeler is the assistant is the same actor and he's he's pushing that bed and it's making the exact same noise. Ooh. As those wheels make, and it's just so creepy, and it's in the in the best way. Like now, as an adult, I'm like, I appreciate this. It's pretty well put together, uh, and I loved when Mombi was going to go see the Gnome King, and she is in a <laughs> chariot being yes. pulled by Whooping wheelers. Them. It was that uh. was so strange, and honestly, I was like, I'm here for it. I I love it. Get it, girl. Yeah, That's what no. you should be doing to get around. Now, with the reminder of the, the Wheeler being, you know, also someone from the, uh, I don't know, asylum, for lack of a better term. Like, I know there's a scene at the end of the film where Dorothy is visited by uh, Princess Ozma. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, in theory, that could still just be something that she's imagining, right? So, like... Do you think that the, the 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 thesis is probably the wrong word, but like, do you think the movie is really trying to like say like, here's this magical adventure, magical, maybe a stretch, terrifying, um, and you know, but really, uh, you know, we're saying that it's all fictional and all in her head. Like, does she really does have a, a, an issue, um, or is it you know just sort of coincidental that people in the real world were all or the Earth human worlds all like also happen to have visages in the oz world so i i i like the the second thought is that like it's your this is who you are in the other world mm-hmm. so everyone has a doppelganger you say. yeah so like you go and in, you go into this other world you go into oz and this is your counterpart this is who you would be in this world yeah within Within the world of like the actual Oz story, Oz is a very, very real place. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, this girl has crazy dreams for twelve books. Uh, yeah. With within the movie, obviously, the first movie, it's played up a lot more. Of is this real or not? Doesn't really matter. It's all about the journey, not the destination, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, in the first movie, she's had a concussion. Right. Right. Now in this one, she does get swept off in a storm and you know, probably has mild hypothermia from being in a river all night. Uh, So who knows? But I think this one plays a little more at the end with the idea of Oz was real. That happened. Or we are watching a small child have a mental break. And that's maybe too dark. Maybe I don't want to go down that route. (laughs) Fair. Absolutely fair. We already almost electroshocked this girl. We don't need to, (laughs) to give her psychosis. I do like that they never actually do that. Yes. The power goes out before anything actually happens. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. Like the apparent, like maybe that 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 was just a line we weren't gonna cross. Like we we crossed a lot of lines, but that was just too far. Yeah. Agreed. That that would have been even even hinting at it, even like having it, you know, get close to her head, and then we smash cut to her back in her room implying sure. that it did happen that would still be 
rough. That would have been hard. Yeah. Yeah. Glad we didn't do that. Fair. Somebody who wasn't, well, who wasn't featured much in the story, but I would say is difficult to look at is the Scarecrow, who <laughs> is the the King of Oz now. And I know it looks mm-hmm. more true to like the drawings of the book. I prefer you, the old one. You like the, the film version? Yes. The, uh, the original film version. See, I... I like the Tin Woodsman and the Lion and the Scarecrow in this film because they look like the original book cover versions of the of the books. Yeah, his his lifeless eyes, his lifeless eyes are watch me now in my sleep. I that I I I cannot totally understand that. That was a mistake of the. Uh, they should have put some puppet eyes on yeah. on that. Every month. Yeah, even even uh, even TikTok, you know, he had those large glass eyes, but he still had mm-hmm. eyelids that could move. Mm-hmm. They needed eyelids on the scarecrow. Exactly, would have would have solved everything. Even then, they had multiple puppets because, like, in in the final scene when they're all in the throne room, or I guess mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, they you know the TikTok is like all like nice golden sheen now, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming had to have been a different puppet, right? Um, so a lot of time and money went in, even for relatively short sequences. Oh, I was gonna say, well, they had to reshoot all of yes. well, a good portion of that. <laughs> they did. They had to reshoot oh. a lot of stuff. Uh, because the originally the uh the scene where Ozma was in a, a dress with, with gold, gold lace dress. and it, yeah. it was didn't seem right uh against the set, didn't look very good, so they had to reshoot all of that to get her in a different dress. And also at one point while filming, uh, the girl that played Dorothy collapsed on set. Oh. She got too hot. Yeah. I mean, she lived. She was later on in Waterboy, so. That's for Jabalk. That's a career progression. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, The scary girl from The Craft. Oh, The Craft. Uh And apparently in the latest version of the craft. Anyway, that's not where I need. Okay. We've no. talked, <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about sort of the nightmare fuel aspect of the, the visuals. And I don't want the podcast just to devolve into that. So we can move on to some sure. other, other aspects of it. One thing I really realized, and it took me forever to realize this is, is, is the, the Chronicles of Narnia kind of an Oz ripoff. Um, at least heavily inspired by. I mean, before Oz, was there other examples of like children crossing over to fantasy worlds? I, I feel like Oz couldn't have been the original, no? Alice in Wonderland. I, well, okay. So I guess this is just a, I'm now realizing it's a common fairy tale trope. You also have Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, nephew. Which the, some of those were actually written around the same time. Um, Peter Pan was, I think, 1914. I want to say 1914 ish somewhere in there ish yeah it's it's right around that time i can't remember when alice in wonderland i, I had the i have the power of google <laughs> maybe it's just because there's like a lion that my brain is going absolutely these are, these are similar <laughs> can only have one line per narrative device well one is jesus and one is uh just needs some courage so... uh, alice in wonderland 1865 oh jeez, i have read that book and now that i've read it it's one of those ones where when i go watch some of the movie adaptations and in in wonderland they're always like oh alice it's so great we love you in the book everyone is a jerk to alice oh sure just continuously that has nothing to do with the return to oz i just felt like bringing that up for some reason it's fair <laughs> is there now let, let's let's talk about how this movie tried to it tried to build on something right it tried to build mm-hmm. on the original uh MGM film from from the 1930s it tried to expand on it you can tell they wanted there to be more because there's there's a bunch of Oz stuff that they could have used mm-hmm. why in in the opinion of the two of you do you think that it this one didn't take off? This one didn't resonate maybe kind of in the same way that the original one did. 
I, I mean, I think it, it kind of we said in the the history of the topic, it it was a darker in a certain sense than maybe what people were used to. I think, you know, even though the 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 previous film had come out decades before, so I mean, generations had passed in that time. There, I imagine there was still sort of like a public collective idea of like what like Wizard of Oz would or should be, mm. uh, and this sort of came out you know, utilizing the elements, but maybe not being sort of the the fantastical adventure that they would have hoped for. It was certainly a fantastical adventure, but as we've said, Nightmare Fuel, it was darker. I mean, <laughs> excuse me, like, you know, maybe parents bringing their kids to see it or maybe horrified at like the electroshock thing. Um, you know, I get tornadoes, I guess, are more palatable for children than that. Um, so it may have been just something along those lines. Um, it's, uh, this is a problem with, um, we get with just adaptations. Uh, the original film didn't stay true to the books and it was turned into a musical. Whereas this film was staying more true to the books and was not a musical. So it is, it is trying to do something completely different and, and that's not what people were prepared for. And so we have that problem all the time when things are being adapted from a different work and it, it just could, it does not exist. It does not exist in the same universe <laughs> as the Wizard of Oz, the film. Even though they, they try to make it with those ruby slippers. Which I think, which I think was a mistake. Mm. Uh, Why is and, that? I, yeah, I just I, I think that was a mistake. They should have stayed silver. You think that maybe they would have had better success if they had? Well, that would have been hard though, because even if they had made it its own thing and they'd said like, "Oh, we're sticking true to the books, and we're going to have the silver shoes, and we're going to play up that," people still would have had that expectation because everybody's seen Wizard of Oz. Like it, it remains today, sure. almost a hundred years later, one of the the most known films in cinema. But see, that could have been fixed with some writing, some clever writing. You could have had her um, make some comments. But, you know, the last time I was here, there, it was so um, joyful and there was so much singing. And now it's this. Or, yeah, when my shoes blew off, they turned, you know, when the shoes got recovered, they became silver now. Mm -hmm. or like, just they could they could have fixed some of those things and acknowledged the previous film without, like, punching down on it. And just being like, we're doing something different and we're going back to the original source material and continuing the story in this way. And they even made Dorothy like an appropriate age for what she should have been in the books. So that's another sure. place where it's kind of odd to me that they're like, no, this is a sequel to, to the MGM movie, even though this Dorothy is like eight years younger yeah, than the Dorothy of the MGM movie. Yeah, they stay in the beginning. It's only six months after the tornado, which and I like that her problem is she hasn't slept a full night since the tornado, which also makes which is a is a, a totally understandable problem. Like she went on this crazy adventure and she hasn't been able to get it out of her head and she can't sleep. So her family's worried about her like that to me is a problem. Makes sense. I'm all in on that piece of the framework, sending her to the hospital. Don't love that. Don't love that at all. Yeah. Well, maybe given the context of the time, an sure. understandable decision to make, unfortunately. Sure. I, I, I mean, the end result with the, with the dual casting and that, I mean, like, is pretty awesome and cool, but we could have, we, we could have made some different decisions. <laughs> potentially. We could have just gone for observation. Potentially, potentially. Yeah, Was this movie basically a precursor for the film Sucker Punch? Oh, I haven't seen that, but I know, I know enough. Uh, it's been, I think I saw, it's been such a long time though, but I think it was one of those things where they're in an asylum and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they basically keep transforming to these like fantastical places. And I think people within the asylum play different roles I, within them, but though I could be misremembering. Yeah. They're very, very. I don't, I, I, I don't want to like the, the idea in Sucker Punch is that they are fantasies. They are having to illustrate the missions that they're going on. It's not necessarily them being transported in between these two worlds. Hmm. Uh, I don't right. want to oh, spend too one, long drawing parallels. The idea that she's, you know, is it, is it a real trans? Is she really being transported or is she just dealing with some sort of psychosis? 
I th- in her mind. I th- mm-hmm. I've seen Sucker Punch fairly recently because uh, on another podcast I do, we let our users vote, and one time uh, they picked Sucker Punch, so I <laughs> had to watch it. And I will say that they are they they don't ever really play with the reality in the sense of like, oh, she really like thinks she's there. It's maybe like an escape mechanism she makes to to cope with what's going on. And then the sequences drag on too long, and you're like, this music video has been going on for two hours. <laughs> Where this is much more of like Dorothy is transported somewhere else. Like once she is in Oz, we never see the real world until she comes back again. Sans true. chicken. It's true. Where did the chicken go? There. Also, a dark thing at the end of this movie. Uh, Auntie M is like, "Oh, thank God you're all right. The hospital burned down, and the doctor died in the fire." Yeah, which is also so crazy with the counterpoint being that the Gnome King is gone now. Yeah. So that's that's where that whole counterpoint to like, okay, this is your this is this is your counterpart in the real world versus Oz is kind of fun. And then she sees Princess Mombi in the the prison cart, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> being carted away is is very is very weird. I do prison cart. You gotta bring those back. <sighs> I do like the idea of like you have a some or maybe everybody, maybe not everybody, but at least some maybe people, not everybody because like Dorothy doesn't maybe necessarily has one. Like you'd think it would be Ozma if it'd be anybody, or maybe she's just in another part of Oz. Uh, she 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 doesn't, and she's one of those few people who happen to cross over. Yeah, the the wizard. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just remembering Oz the Great and Powerful, which I saw in theaters. I remember saying that, and I was. Wildly disappointed. Yeah. There are things I liked, but I was also like, meh. Yeah. Was that like a James Franco film? It yes. was. Um, yeah, James. Fr- I forget who directed it. Uh, oh, Sam Raimi directed it, I think. Oh, yeah. That does sound right. There's the, the one thing that I remember about that movie that bothered me endlessly is um, Myla Kunis plays one of the, the witches uh, or who mm. will become the witches. And at one point she's so upset about something she cries but water hurts them so it like burns her on her cheek because she's crying it's like why would you have tear ducts that that doesn't make any sense you could harm yourself in that way yeah it's just yeah they just uh, i think marketing and then just some slightly more uh some more clever writing to differentiate itself from the original film could have uh, put this, could have kept this film, made this film a little bit more successful for what it was trying to do. I really appreciate the way you just steered that cart back on track. That was oh, well sorry. done. No, no, no. I, I'm applauding <laughs> you. That was, this is a, an expert podcaster we have here on the on the show right now. I, I agree with you. I wasn't uh, I wasn't around when this movie first came out, so I don't know what the marketing efforts were around it. But if they had if they had strove to make this something different, because as has been proven, little kids aren't totally adverse to things being a little bit darker, being a little bit scary at times, as long as it's kind of like fun scary. Uh, this really could have maybe launched something new if they had done it in the way of like, well, you know, you get the gist of what happened to her last time because you've all seen that other movie. It's a little bit different in this world, but essentially the same. You don't have to worry about it too much. So here's just a continuing adventure in that same world. I think it would have worked well. Yeah, what happened after? Like, what's going on otherwise? Yeah. Uh, Greed. As we're kind of looking at wrapping down, before we get to kind of our final thoughts about revisiting this movie, is there any subject we haven't talked about yet that anybody wants to bring up? Oh, man. Double check my my very few notes, but I think we got them all. Uh, There was was just one random scene uh, when they're meeting with the the Gnome King. where he's like offering them food and it's in the form of limestone pie and hot melted silver, silver. and they're eating it. Um, oh. Like he just fed limestone to a child. Mm-hmm. Which... It's a fantasy world. 
Sure. Yeah. It's still limestone it's, and silver, I'm she, assuming. She finds a lunch pail tree. I love the lunch pail tree. That was I thought that was that was interesting. That was cool. There was like a crime, right? Wasn't there like a a, was it Moonby that like or or someone just like, well, you stole like a lunch pail tree. Like it was you're not supposed to take the lunch pails off the tree or something. Uh, One of the wheelers yelled at her for that. You have to come out sooner or later. And when you do, we'll tear you into little pieces and throw you in the deadly desert. I haven't done anything to you. Isn't that a stolen lunch pail in your hand? Oh, God. I just remember that one of the wheelers around that same time was yelling to her, like, we're going to chop you up into bits and throw you into the deadly desert. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that one, too. That was a... Yeah, oh, yeah, that's when she I was behind the wall with TikTok. Yeah. Before she knew that TikTok was there. Oh, I, I made a reference to a line that Jack Pumpkinhead said that he was talking about Mombi said that she was going to bake me into a pie, but she was wearing head 26 at the time. And she must have not have worn it again since, because she hasn't remembered that I'm up here. So I, I, I never had heard that line before or understood it as a child. Cause when I heard it the other day, I was just like, Oh, so that means each of the heads has different memory memories. That's like to a, to a degree. I love that idea. Actually. That's pretty great. Like, there are ones that she clearly favors, obviously, but that some would not know things. Well, when she first meets her, she has that, like, the one head she has on is, like, kind of friendly in a way. Yeah. And, you know, isn't isn't yet menacing. And then as soon as the other head gets on, it's like, haha, and I'm going to trap you in a tower. I do. Yeah. And and then it becomes my real head. Yeah. Which if I've locked. So you don't find because that's where all my power is. Yeah. As we all do, you know, all the masks we wear. Sure. But like, this is a very creepy representation of such. Sure. Sure. I like the idea that there must be some stuff in her house uh, that she either like discovers because she, because like one head put it there and then forgot about (laughs) it. And another head is just like, what is this doing here? Oh yeah. That's Yeah. Just but, yeah. whole heads rearranging entire rooms. I don't understand how the system would work. They'd have to have meetings. This sounds like a nightmare. But also amazing. I need a whole movie about you now. I know. I'm kind of loving the, the further we get into this, the more interesting well, it is. Because some of the characters are really interesting. And I some of it, I wish we had fleshed out. Like, I almost wish we had spent a little bit more time with, mo- like, nice mommy. And then we get, like, oh, no, your head comes off. Yeah. Because it happens so fast. It does. Within like minutes of meeting her. She's like, by the way, I can take my head off. Oh, no. That's how it should have happened. We should have met Mombi, a Mombi. And then we meet somebody else. And we don't realize that it's the same person because we don't know that her head comes off. And they switch. And then we see it happen. That's how that should have been. That would have been a better reveal. Oh, yeah. yeah. see diana's version of this film i know this is sounding great (laughs) this is part this is my new thing is that when i realize that there are problems with the film i'm like this is how i fix this movie all right disney get us on the line here we're gonna remake return to oz for you and sometimes like i'll get really mad at a movie it's like i can see the good movie in here i just final cut pro and re-edit it because it's in here i can see it there's just like that's not the case with this movie (laughs) right right which i think is a great transition now for us to talk about kind of our our final thoughts on is this a movie that is worth revisiting today or does it stay in the hall of memory if you've watched it a long time ago should you just kind of remember the creepy thoughts or is it worth taking the time now that it's on disney plus for us to watch diana since you're our guest and you brought the show here what do you think i i'm gonna i'm gonna caveat this with if you have, if you are a lover of alternative versions of things, then yes, go see this. Mm. If not, don't bother. <laughs> that is that is very succinct. Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's not something that I had to revisit. So, in the sense of watching it now, like there were definitely concepts that I found interesting, but I didn't necessarily feel like. 
it, it's, it's definitely not relevant to me now. It's something that I, I would totally have put in the hall of, of uh, movies and TV shows as a child that freaked me out and gave me nightmares, uh, which is actually a very endearing section of my memory banks um, with like <laughs> Little Nemo and Care Bears in there. Um, <laughs> but in this case, like I'm just, I'm beyond it. So, I mean, if you're an adult, like unless you already have a history with this film, then you know, you might get that same sort of like nostalgic tingle, but is like, is this something that still holds up today? Probably not. As someone who has seen it twice now recently, I would, I think, agree with that. I, I think there's stuff in here that we've talked about now that I'm like, ah, they really could have done a whole lot. There's a lot of really interesting stuff in the Oz mm-hmm. books, in the fantastical world of it. If they had leaned more into that and really strove to make this its own thing, I think they, there could have been something really interesting here. But instead, they were trying to thread a needle of making its own thing while also satisfying the needs that they feel to keep to the original MGM movie. And that keeps it from hitting the mark just a little bit. Uh, with, a little, with, with the turmoil that happened kind of behind the scenes, you know, if a little more work was done in tightening the script if this was made today it would be far more interesting i think because sure. our our attitudes towards story and storytelling are now different if this was a a mini series that they put out on disney plus you know eight episodes really kind of digging into the mythology and, and building on it and showing us this whole new world i would be super into it as far as this look up the puppets because they're great they're really well done puppets if you're like me and have a strange love for puppetry do that mm-hmm. But I don't think there's a lot necessarily in this movie that makes it worth uh, digging out for those people that you find out have never seen it, unless you know them really well and know they're going to dig this weirdness. Those are our thoughts. We want to hear your thoughts, audience. Go to Hit Me One More Time, find out all of our socials, and let us know there how much you love or are still terrified of The Return to Oz. Diana, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank thank y'all so much for having me. This is so much fun. Where can people find you if you wish to be found? People can where can people find your work? Uh you can find me personally on Twitter at modcaster, M-A-U-D-C-A-S-T-E-R. Uh you can find all of my pop culture stuff at Macintosh Mod and uh my TTRPG. I'm always retweeting that, so just follow me and you'll find it all. Do it, people. Do it. Nick. Thank you for being here. Thank you, David. I'm happy to be here. Where can uh, people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Nick Shermuksins. That's S-E-R-M-U-K-S-N-I-S. Uh, or on Instagram at palblamshazam underscore art. What's great is, uh, I'll tell you, Nick, listen to, the, listen to the Blair Witch episode to hear Phil talking about your art Instagram. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's right. If people want to find me, they can do so on the internet under the username DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. Twitter, Instagram, find me there and see what I am up to. Thank you, listening audience, for being here. We do this show for you, and we do this show because of you. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 